And I think the older I get, the more I'm like, I've got to push myself. I never want to be comfortable. So the cooking show was a way to get me uncomfortable again so I could continue to learn and be okay with myself, just figuring out as I go. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with me, Jen Hatmaker. You guys, today we are going to talk about all things hearth and home with the one, the only, Joanna Gaines. Hey, everybody, Jen Hatmaker here. I am your absolutely delighted host of the For the Love podcast. Welcome to the show. I am glad you are here, and you certainly are. Today is a good one. Today is a good one. We're in the middle of a series called For the Love of Food, and it's probably no big mystery why I wanted to have a series to talk to food people and food folks and food creators, because with a million things in flux in our world right now, somehow food and the table still matter. It is the one way we can still gather. It is the one place that still is full of flourishing and creativity. And you know how I feel about food. And I think you might know how I feel about today's guest. I definitely know how you feel about today's guest. If I had one nickel for every time somebody in the For the Love podcast community has asked for this person to be on the show, I would have such a pile of nickels. You just cannot even know. And I want to tell you something about Joanna Gaines, our guest today. She is such a dear, real, actual person. I want you to know that there is a depth and a wonder to her that goes way beyond her outrageous success that we get to see. And so just know that she is every bit as good as you think she is. Now, having said that, just in case you were like Joanna, who doesn't have a TV, I'm not joking. She does not have a TV, which the irony, I can't. And you're not exactly sure who I'm talking about. Let me give a quick high level about Joe. So Joe, of course, and her husband, Chip, they're co-host of Fixer Upper where they, you know, they flip houses, turn them into beautiful homes for their clients, like the number one biggest show on HGTV ever, now part of her network. And she's the co-founder of Magnolia, which is home and a lifestyle brand and now a destination location in Waco, Texas, author of a slew of books, including two volumes of her cookbook called Magnolia Table. She has her own home line, in Target, which you've seen, you're bound to have seen, it's beautifully styled right there in the middle of the, the home section, all while, while raising five gorgeous kids. She is funny. She is beautiful. She's so incredibly talented and creative and just even better in person than you could hope for. You're going to love this conversation. We did a lot of laughing. We did a lot of cutting up. You guys enjoy. Here is the absolutely beloved Joanna Gaines. Oh, this is so fun. I've been so excited about this. Just time. I'm so, so happy about this. And I'm excited to talk to you about cooking today because it's just one of your branches. It's one branch on your tree, but it's like my favorite branch. Let's talk really quickly. Like, can you high level it for everybody? Because of course we've been watching you and Chip and the kids for years, but you've stepped a little bit back from our TV screens in some respects and then toward it in others. Can you just sort of, this is where we're spending our time in terms of what you're giving the rest of the world. Yeah. So I would say our biggest thing, 
our biggest reason for like just that, that year, a little over a year that we took off was, as you know, with your life there, there's this point in life where things just, it's like an amazing ride and it happens so fast. And you look back five years and you're like, what just happened? And I think for us, we were needing that year to really just like ground us again. Like, what is our why? Why are we doing this? What are we doing? You know, and so the year that, that I actually ended up getting pregnant, which that wasn't planned either. It was like this gift of just kind of reassessing, like, why do we do what we do? What's the intention behind it? And so that year was huge. And I feel like the gift I got in that year was like kind of time back in some weird way. Not that time was taken from us, but that five years of just kind of, Losing a sense of normalcy, just things totally. like just what we grew into when it happened that fast. You just, you have to stop and kind of let it soak in and appreciate it. And then all the things, but I feel like that year, I, I just felt like, man, time stood still. And I just got that time back to really just like figure out what is it that we're passionate about and why are we doing this? So along those lines, like after that year, we got approached about like this network and you know, we swore we would never do Fixer again. We, you know, I think the idea of the network, the reason why I loved it was because what I love with the magazine is it's not about me having to be on every page of that magazine. Totally. It is me getting to our team, we getting to highlight other people's stories and passions. And there's something that's like, that's a gift that I get to, I'm like, that's the greatest gift for me that I get to see other people come alive in this. And it doesn't have to be about me. And I think when when we started, you know, people were pitching us ideas like, well, if you do Fixer, we're like, if you're wanting us to do Fixer, we're, we're not interested. We're not wanting to do our thing. We want to highlight other people's stories like we do in the magazine. And that's how that network partnership came about was us getting really excited about highlighting other people and their stories. And then, I mean, I'd say for the last two years, we've been really trying to build that. And as you only know, with just the changing landscape of telling, you know, everything, every day, there's a new model. So just figuring out the business. And I think along the way, that's when I was like, Hey, no one's making me do a show. No one's making us do fixer. And then all of a sudden you're like, Hey, we kind of miss it. And so when there's the pressure isn't there or the expectation it, it it seems a little bit more like authentic when it's like, we're ready to do this. And so I think for us with Fixer, we were ready to do it, but like on our terms, but that's been just so fun and life-giving to be able to work with these clients again on television, but also the cooking show. Like what, what, what is my greatest fear? Me being on a cooking show. Okay, then let's do it. <laughs> And I think it's because my personality, I know, you know, the Enneagram stuff, like I'm a one and, and typically people that are like my personality, it's like when, once I become an expert, I'll come to the table. Once I've gone to culinary school, once I know the language, once I know how to chop, I don't know how to chop, I will do a cooking show. And I think the older I get, the more I'm like, I've got to push myself. I never want to be comfortable. So the cooking show was a way to get me uncomfortable again so I could continue to learn and be okay with myself, just figuring out as I go. And sometimes that's embarrassing. And sometimes it's like, that was so much fun. That's exactly how I want you to be on that show though. And it's how you are, which is just kind of yourself and you're kind of goofy and you're talking to your people off camera all the time and you're just doing it. I'm like, help, what's that worth? (laughs) I know. And I, but you know, that is so nice. It's so nice to see where there's so many super polished cooking shows and they've been doing it for years. I mean, they've just got it down. And so I 
I love that you said, let's just throw this thing against the wall as it is and see how it goes. Is it, what are you learning? Like, is it hard? Is it harder than you think? Cause cooking and instructing, it's a whole thing. And honestly, for me, like the ritual of being in the kitchen, like when I'm at the office and, and like a lot of the work we do is creative and it's uh, to be completely honest, I'm more of an operational person. Like I should be an accountant. I should be in a cubicle. I shouldn't be a, a creative. That's not really my, my nature. So for me to show up at work every day and try to be creative actually like exhausts me because it's not like a natural. So when I get home, I have to find a way to fill back up. And that's me working with food and being in the kitchen. But a lot of the times, to be honest, and I say this, it's kind of by myself. So that once I'm, when it's just time for dinner, I can give my kids like me. But in that moment, it, that's me kind of trying to unwind and get refueled. Even though dinner sometimes is work and it's a chore, it's the creative process that's giving back and kind of fueling me. That is exactly how I feel about cooking, which is why I've always, I'm a long time on record as saying, I'm not a good cooking mom teacher. I'm not that awesome mom who always has a kid at her elbow because I'm just like, well, I like doing this, but when you're here, it's less fun. And so <laughs> that's my fun end of the day. Work is done. Creative. The music's on. It is one thing to be a really good cook. Like you are and cook for our families in the way that we do. It is another thing to do that on camera while you're instructing, while you're thinking through just every bit of it. And I'm an intuitive cook. I bet you are too. So I'm not always like, this is half a tablespoon. I don't even think like that. No. And I taste the whole time and you can't do that really. Cause you just gross people out. Like, and, and I really do feed the crew. And so if they see me like, you can't do that right now. So now I'm like, shoot, I hope I didn't put too much salt. I will say the hardest thing to be honest, I'm an introvert. I'm in my head. I mean, the whole battle of me being in my head is getting out of my head. So when I'm standing there and there's 20 people in the background, oh, all dressed in black, and I'm just talking and making stuff like That's I'm just, awkward. And there's not a ton of feedback because you got to be quiet on set the whole time. You're saying, wait, that was stupid. That's dumb. But you know, and so it's, it's really what it has been is like this kind of exercise of like loving myself. Mm, that sounds good. weird, but being okay with the imperfections. If I say it wrong and you have to Google it and tweet me later, I'm sorry. I'm not an expert. If I said it was that it probably not. But what I've learned is, you know, my mom always says, Joe, if you're going to do it, just have fun. And so when I show up, I'm like, I'm just going to have fun. You know how on, on some of these things, like our personality, when, when we stretch ourselves in some ways, we actually become the more fun version of ourselves. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I feel like when I'm, when I'm designing, I kind of, I'm a one. I'm like, I know what this room needs to look like. I do well as a one in that space. When I'm cooking, I'm actually like a seven. And I hate that I'm saying all these numbers, but I'm like that fun person who I'm like, oh, it's good. So it's like, I, I'm actually a better version of myself when I'm cooking than when I'm designing. That's a really good way to put it because you can't exactly fall back on all your credentials and your culinary degree. And, you know, I've been doing a cooking show for 15 years. You're learning it. And it's so true. You, you have nothing left to do except just be a little bit fun and silly with it or else what, what fun is that? What, why would you do it? Right. So, and I am really learning along the way. Like I, you know, the people that are behind the scenes that are helping that like help me prepare, you know, cause there's so many ingredients that go into it when they're there. I tap into, I let them be my culinary school. I'm like, so what is this called when you do this? And that like, so I always get home that night and I'm so giddy. I'm like, chip, I learned 
10 new things about food today. So I just feel like it's like I'm doing culinary school my own very vulnerable way, (laughs) but it's fun. What's the part about doing the cooking show that is the hardest or that you like the least? What's the part you're like, this is for the birds. I wish it could be all of this except for this part. I wish it was a show with just music. (laughs) I gotta let it talk. (laughs) I don't know how to talk that much. That's real tricky. With subtitles. Like I can add the subtitles later, but there'd be like a really great soundtrack. And every now and then I may like throw in a dance move. That's like kind of my dream. But the fact that I have to talk is like, that's exhausting. Cause I'm just exhausting. You know, I'm married to Chip and he carries that. So that's the other thing, Jen is like with Fixer, I've always had him as my crutch. Chip will carry it. That is Oh, Chip. That's his gift. I'm the quiet one. Let him. This was, it was honestly like, I need, I would ask Chip, Chip, will you please come and just be a part of this? And he knew, he knew, he's like, Joe, you got it. You can do this. I think even in him saying no was so good for me because I can't, I can't have those crutches. I have to, I have to tap into my well, the gut, like I have stuff. You do. So like go a little deeper and find it, get out of my head. You do, you do have it and you are doing it. And I love hearing you say that because I've, you know, I've watched, I don't know, 20 million hours of food shows. And I always think they have to talk the whole 30 minutes. Like, I don't even know what I would say. You know, at some point you're going to chop your onion on the camera. So it's going to take 45 seconds to chop your onion. What are you going to say? Like, so now I'm chopping an onion. One time, like I was at my aunt's house, like do you always have one. My my grandma taught me blah blah. I, 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 it's I, like being in know. a bikini. It's like being in a bikini. This is what chopping an onion to me is equivalent of being in a freaking bikini and trying to explain people like so because I feel like it's really vulnerable. The camera's right over me and I don't know how to do my hands. So the whole time I'm thinking I'm being judged right now. My freaking knuckles, my fingertips. So the whole time I'm thinking, what are people thinking? Because I'm doing this wrong that it just feels like the most bon- that then you're like asking me to explain to you what I'm about to do with this onion. I can't. So I do joke. I should have at least Googled, like you can Google stuff now. Like you can Google how to use a knife. I probably should have done that before season one. I probably should do that like now. Kiwi Co. believes that small lessons today can mean big world changing ideas tomorrow. So they want to kickstart curiosity, and creation, and innovation in kids right here, right now. With a KiwiCo subscription, your child gets a new crate full of fun science and art projects every month that will encourage them to tinker and to innovate and create. They'll discover the science behind hydraulics, for example, or build a walking robot, see how high they can make a rocket fly. Everything is shipped right to your door, and there's no commitment, so you can pause or cancel anytime. Do you know what I plan to do with my baby nephews this summer? You better believe we'll be sitting down to do some KiwiCo projects, which I have at the ready for them. Especially with my nephew, Calvin. He's a little older than Owen. We'll get the koala crate and we might get a crate with ocean games where Calvin will get to make a splash with science and math. There's like a fishing pole we can use to catch all sorts of felt sea creatures. We can practice sorting them by size. We can even make a mosaic of marine animals that'll help Calvin and Aunt Jen practice their color matching skills. It's just fun. It's all fun. There's no telling what a KiwiCo kid can do. Kickstart 
curiosity and creation and innovation in kids today and discover a brighter tomorrow. So get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code for the love at kiwico.com. So that's 30% off your first month at kiwico.com promo code for the love. Guys, it's time to refresh your wardrobe and that includes your bra. Lucky for us, Third Love is here to make finding the bra of your dreams as easy as clicking add to cart. Third Love uses the measurements of millions of women to design bras with all day comfort and support with super comfy memory foam cups and no slip straps and a scratch free band. Plus, Third Love bras come in more than 80 sizes from cups in AA to I, including half cups and bands size. 30 to 48. And get this, now Third Love is the ultimate go-to loungewear with their new collection called Lounge. From super lazy Sundays on the couch to weekend outings, this is comfy loungewear that's made to wear everywhere. Lounge comes in all kinds of sizes, from extra small to triple X. And everything has the quality and fit you'd expect from Third Love. Third Love knows your one true fit is out there. So right now, they are offering my listeners 20% off your first order. Incredible. Go to thirdlove.com slash for the love now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 20% off your first purchase. So that's thirdlove.com slash for the love for 20% off today. All right, guys, back to our show. I want to talk about your relationship with food. Tell me how this has come to be for you. Did you grow up in a food family? Did you grow up with a food mom? Did you have like food grandma? Were they good cooks? Did you learn early? Have you always loved this? Or was that more of a a grown up Joanna discovery? Yeah. Food for me has always been like when I think about the most pivotal times in my life or even my favorite connections, it always went back to food. My mom moved here when she was 19 from Seoul, Korea. And she was so young that she honestly didn't know how to cook Korean food. So she comes to America and never like really honed the skill of like cooking American food. So I can remember like three things she made for us. It was spaghetti. It was hot dogs and rice, which is kind of a thing. It's funny. She like made hot dogs and rice, like a Korean meal for us. Cause she put a bunch of Korean pepper on it. And then like meatloaf. That's it. Like my mom, she's so funny because even now she doesn't want to cook because she doesn't want her home smelling like food. She's like, oh, my carpet's going to smell like ground beef. (laughs) So my mom is really, but my dad had such a sweet tooth that he was like, if we leave it up to mom, we'll never have dessert. So me and my dad would get in in the kitchen and we would do chocolate chip cookies together. And so that's, that's my memory with my dad. that I think is the sweetest is like me and my dad in the kitchen trying to make chocolate chip cookies. And then then my parent, my dad's parents, who uh, my grandfather was Lebanese and my grandmother was German. They were, they had nine children. They were all about gathering, being together. And then these like really rich family meals. And so I would always beg my granddad, will you teach me how to make this? So he only taught me like three things that those three times I was with my granddad were really the only three times I actually was with my granddad. Cause there was always so many people around and he was such a quiet man 
But those three times in the kitchen, like marked me, like every time I cook those recipes, it's like in honor of him. So I don't know, to me, I didn't grow up in this foodie thing, but I did learn like the value of like just different cultures and different flavors. I had the Korean, the Lebanese, the German. And so now I'm just trying to bring all that back to life and introduce that to my children. And honestly, it's like their favorite go-tos are what like my granddad and my grandmother cooked. So I, I kind of love Which that. Which for what? Well, what are some of those dishes that are very specific to their food culture? Bulgogi is like a marinated beef. And my mom, that's like the one thing she'll make for our family like once a month. And my kids are always like, I want grandma's bulgogi. So she's, that's kind of her thing. And then on my dad's side with my granddad, he'd make fatai, fatai or whatever. Again, I say it all wrong, but he made fatai and like Lebanese salad, cabbage rolls. That's all my kids' favorite stuff. Like before anything else, it's not spaghetti. Like my favorite meals, like spaghetti. They love the meals that are really kind of true to the traditions that preceded my parents even. So I kind of that think that's special. So happy. Okay, you have a really like rich food heritage in your uplinks. So everywhere. You really do. Like my family is from the Midwest. You know, we just had like boxed mashed potatoes. We don't have food culture. (laughs) I had to discover that out in the world. Like my parents said, exotic food was like food that came from California. Oh my gosh. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I want to talk about spaghetti because you, there's a story that you tell about when you and Chip were first married and you had some really unequal expectations about a bowl of spaghetti. And I just want you to tell the story. It was the first meal I made for Chip. And I had waited a couple of weeks because I was still trying to figure out the kitchen. I had never, I mean, I I felt like if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it well. And it's so funny that even now I think about what it is and it's just like all process like fake stuff. But I made the spaghetti that I knew my mom made. And I was like, I always say it's like still to this day, it's my favorite food, my mom's spaghetti. I don't know. She just made it with love, but it's ragu. It is ragu. That's it. It's ground beef with ragu with noodles. That's my favorite spaghetti. So I make it for Chip and I'm just surprised, you know, because Chip is the most encouraging human I know. And he just pauses and is like speechless. And, and the whole time I'm like, he loves it. Like, I'm like, I am an amazing cook. And he goes, doesn't taste like my mom's. And I was so mad. I got up. I was like, you're doing the dishes. And I'm not joking. I, I almost, I really think like for the full year, I was like, we're eating at Luby's. Golden Crown. <laughs> like we're going so you, I'm not making anything for you, but I called his mom and she's like, so I do ground beef. I use Prego. So it's just the difference of prego and ragu. That's it. That's it. (laughs) She's not like, and then I do a lot of extra garlic and red pepper flakes. It's just like, that's how the moms cooked in our like parents' generation. Which I love. Yes. I mean, don't bring chip that ragu, you know, (laughs) like it is prego or it is nothing. (laughs) Exactly. I was such a culinary tragedy. When did you learn? Did you just teach yourself? How did you learn to cook? how did you become a good cook? And when did you like develop confidence in your cooking and who were kind of your, cause you didn't really, really learn as a kid. You, this, these were skills you put into practice as a grown up. So was it trial and error? Did you watch the food network? Like I did. So back then, I mean, we, we, you know, this, we don't have a TV, so I didn't have like oh, yes. a thing right. and I don't even think I had an internet. Like I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I think back then I was like on hotmail. I don't know. I think because I had these children I had four kids, you know, and it's, there came a point where when I just had Drake, it was so easy to just go out to eat. You have one kid, it's manageable. It's like nice. So 
I think there came a, a, a time where I realized I can't, I can't do that anymore. And my kids started really being like articulate on what they love. So they were like kind of my first trial and error. And then, you know, every week we'd host this group of friends that would come over. There was like eight of them and all their kids. And it was like, we can't do pizza every Thursday night. So then I just started cooking. And I think that's when I developed just like the love of like entertaining and like warming people's bellies, like feeding them. That was fun for me. So I think in that process, that was, I don't know how many years ago, but that's when I started to just get, you know, and, and a lot of the times, honestly, like I remember I'd make stuff and we'd cut into the meatloaf and it was raw and I'd be embarrassed, but I was like, oh, well, and then chip, and it was with all my friends, but it was like, that was the group. If I could try on air, that would be them. So I think that's when I started like getting these kind of good familiar recipes. I was really confident in, and then I would build off of those. So then, okay, I understand how to make a roux for chicken pot pie. So then how do I make a roux for the, you know, so it's like taking those like things I learned along the way and then expanding. And even now, honestly, like, you know, I love Julia child. I love her because of the way, like she's kind of really the one I've watched. I can watch her. You can like Google it, watch it on YouTube or Reddit, wherever it is. But because she just makes it like, it's not fussy, just like, so she's, fussy. she's kind of my, like who I look up to in it that she, it's like, if you make a mistake, she just kind of pushes it over and laughs at herself. So it's like, I would say she's been really inspirational. My girls watch Ooh, her with good. me. Like the fact that mm. years that this, this stuff has been out, it's in black and white, but that even my girls can sit and go, you know, they see it, they see the magic. So yeah, I, you know, and then I think once you start developing like a confidence, you get a little riskier every time. And I think that's why I'm just passionate about it because that's exactly what happened for me with design. I was a broadcast journalism major. I was not a design major. I wanted to sit at a desk and say, like have a teleprompter. So that's exactly how design was for me too. And so I think, you know, as women, just as humans, we're kind of taught like, go to school, find a profession, really stay in that lane and excel. And I think the older I get, I'm like, no, I want as many, like you said, branches. Like I want to try things. Don't stick me in a box or a lane. Cause I'm going to love that. I don't know what I'm going to do next year, but I, the older I get, the more I, I understand the importance of just continuing to like learn and come to the table and being like open to trying new things, even if that means failing hard. I cannot agree more. I mean, I'm writing a cookbook, which I love. So when you're saying this, I'm like, yeah, I'm a hundred percent doing this right now. I am doing something. I am unqualified for uncredentialed. I've never done it. But I don't you know what cook I'm doing for your family, your friends, you know, exactly what you're doing. And I think what the world wants right now is like that kind of stuff. Like, you know, we have plenty of it. I, and I love the experts. Like I look up to them and I'm like, I, right, me too. I am so proud of you for understanding and having that knowledge. I also think there's another side of just like that kind of real life, like, well, let's learn as we go. But I want to know about your cookbook. Like what's kind of the heart and soul of it? Is it your favorites? Like, what are you, what's the vision? Mm. You know, I grew up similar to you in that I didn't really grow up in a food family. Our food was kind of utilitarian. It was when we were were eating margarine, you know, we were eating, I can't believe it's not butter. We were eating country crock. You know, it was just a different time when I didn't know about fresh vegetables. I thought they came in a can or if we were being really, really fancy frozen, frozen in a bag. And so I'm an adult who came to the food table, but 
I enjoy it so very much. And, and thank goodness I'm with you. Thank goodness for the experts. They taught me how to cook. I watched exactly. them cook yes. and then did what they said. And I read their cookbooks and did what they said. I, that was my school, but I enjoy it. It's so, I had no idea I would love cooking as much as I do. And in the same way that you said earlier, it's like my reward at the end of the day. So I found this weird combination. I've been talking about it for years. I'm, I'm slow on the uptick here, but I, I love food and cooking. I love eating and I love flavor. And well, so, yes. I mean, that's all one lane. I'm that's a, really why I do it. Eater. Yes. Yeah, just the eating. I'm such a good eater. And then I love food writing. To me, food writing is so fun. It's entertaining. It's silly. Well, for me, it can be really silly and funny. And, you know, so a lot of my writing is a, it's a heavy lift, right? For women. And I, it's, it's a lot of emotional growth and spiritual growth and mental growth and which I love that too. But I mean, let Lord have grace, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, I'm like, put me to bed. <laughs> so I just found that I didn't necessarily want to write about saving the world this time. I just wanted to write about pot roast, you know? I wanted to write about macaroni and cheese. I love it. And it is fun. And I can't wait to hear what your story is about. You know, like there's a story to be told in everything, but I think that's what makes these recipes. Like when, when I'm picking them for the cookbook and we're, we're developing them, it's like, if it doesn't have a story, I don't want it in there. Like, I don't want this just to be another cookbook. It's got to resonate in some way with a memory or a, whatever, but I, I can't wait. Yes. I can't that wait. is the thing. It's all attached to things. And I, so I have a ton of recipes that are attached to a person, Trey's tomato pie, Sydney's favorite salad, Jeff's mom's fish. Oh, like these are literal oh, titles. I of, love it. They're attached to the people that I'm I love. so it, glad it's called feed these yes. people, which is fits feed these people. Cause yes. I feed a lot of people. Anyway, it's cute. I want to talk about your cookbook too, since we're on the subject because they're so beautiful. I'd love to hear your experience with cookbook writing because that was also a new, at the time, at least in your first one, New Frontier, that was something brand new to do. And outside of kind of what is your very known areas of expertise. And so what was that like for you? I mean, it was, it had to be good enough that you kept doing it. You must have enjoyed it. You must have really loved something about the process. Yeah. I think my favorite thing, well, the first book was a little different in that it really was like, how do I give my girls something one day? Like that was like my big thing. Like they can have a document of all the recipes that like my mom loved, that Chip's mom loved, just all the stuff. Like to me, it was like, oh, that would just be great. Cause I don't write recipes down, Jen. Like they're all in my head. And the idea of me finally documenting this and then telling the story of that was really important, mainly just for like my family and like what I could give them. So that was like an awakening for me as far as like why I love food and getting to tell the stories of that. The second cookbook really was different because now it's like, okay, I've already given away all my favorites. So, so now what? So the second one was really about developing recipes. So I had a small team of women here at Magnolia that we all would sit and say, okay, I'd be like, this is what I want. For so we would literally just brainstorm and we would all go home that night. And I would say something like, I want a gnocchi with a, you know, I would make something up and then we'd go home and we'd all make it and we'd send pictures. And we, so the development side is what I love because it stinks because it's making something 10 different times, but you get to eat it 10 different times. That's right. And I will be honest, this is kind of a fun fact. It's like pregnancy. 
I gained 12 pounds. Yeah, you had to. Have. Every time I put out a cookbook. I know. But it's like, I have permission to do that because I'm birthing a cookbook. So it's fun. It's yeah. like when I'm pregnant. I almost pregnant, wouldn't the trust you if you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why I love being pregnant is because I always tell Chip, I can eat whatever I want and just like let it all hang out. And it's like the best feeling. That's how I feel with the cookbook. Anytime I'm doing a cookbook, I'm like, everybody, I'm sorry, but I'm eating. I'm eating this next year. So I think the development side is is like school for me. It's learning. And it's like, wait, why didn't why didn't that sauce thicken? Why didn't that whatever? So the process now is what I love. And because the older my kids get, I think with that second cookbook, they loved those recipes so much that it now they're they're like my new tried and true favorites. So it's just every time we do it, I just think it's like it's like school. And who would have ever thought I liked school? I actually hated school, but I like this kind of school. I like hands. I like school. food school. Yeah. Food yeah. school? Yes, please. Yes. yes. Yeah. My kids would be, if they were listening to us right now, they'd be like vigorously nodding their heads because I call it test kitchen. Every single thing is test kitchen. It's constant. Every day. I, I'm not, I do not make a dinner that is not something I'm working out in the cookbook. There is not a side that's not on the side. And so they're like, what's in test kitchen today? And that's what they so also fun. like is test kitchen gives them permission to give honest feedback. They don't just have to say, this is delicious. I am stunned every time I start cooking. Let's just even say four, cause I'm going to do more than one thing. And I'm like, this is work. This, how am I getting paid for this? How is this a job <laughs> that I get to do as a person in a real way? It is so fun. And at the end of it, you eat what I'm never doing anything else. I, I'm I'm like, this is it. But the idea that we, that these recipes, what I love is like just how food takes you back to like the best times. And like you said, whether it's someone that's associated with that meal or whatever, the, the idea that, that if one person gets my cookbook and that becomes their new family favorite, that when their kids come back from college, that's what moms make, you know, like the fact that now in some odd way, I get to be a part of other people's stories. I don't know. That's just so fun. Like I, it's I think so special. the way that food can translate across so many different ways, like it's just really special. It sure is. What from the most recent cookbook, what are one or two of the recipes that you're getting like the strongest feedback about that your community is saying this is been, we, this is our new favorite thing. I've made this 25 times in a row or what is really like, what struck a chord? It's the friends giving casserole, which is my oh, yeah. favorite. And maybe yeah. that's why I'm like talking. You put about that on your show, much. right? Yeah. But yeah. I think it's cause you know, it's always funny. It's like, anytime someone says Chip always laughs. Cause like with his first book, he's like, man, everybody says it's an easy read. I don't know if that's a compliment, totally. <laughs> but I'm like, people always like, Joe, your recipes are so easy. I'm like, thanks. I don't know if that's a compliment, but yeah, I, I, think it I want it to be, I don't want it to be fussy. Friendsgiving casserole for as many people as I feed when I make that, when I'm thinking about like our community that come together and I'm making this for them and their kids, it's like the way that you can throw it together. But then the second you take that bite and it tastes like a holiday in February is like the best thing. And so I don't know. There's something about, I think, again, when you've got a lot of kids and you love to host, the meals I think that resonate with me the most are those kind of throw everything in, top it with some fresh parsley and call it a day. Like that's the kind of stuff I love. I love that comfort food. I love a lot of things like in one pot. So I'd say the, the Friendsgiving casserole. Oh yeah, I do too. I love that. And I like to serve 
food like that family style. I like big platters of that's things it. where you just it's pass like a it around. Yes. yes. I just, that's how I like to eat. And that's how I like to feed people too. Yeah. Are you going to write another one? Are you working yes. on another one? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I Is think it because it's a just, different point of view. I may do some healthy stuff, Jen. You know what? Sometimes <laughs> they have to give them what they want. They ask for it. They ask for it. <laughs> just They're not getting it from bit. me, Joanna. <laughs> it took me three to finally be like, fine. Okay, we can talk about an air fryer. Okay. Uh, I know. But yeah, no, I think again, what what I just love about people is like that we're always evolving. And, and I think that every season, even like with fixer, like, you know, every, every season, it would be a little bit, hopefully a little bit different design point of view. And even though I think a comfort, it's comfortable to stay, you know, kind of where you're comfortable. But my hope is that every time you pick a new one up, it's like, Oh, this feels like a fresh take on Magnolia table. And so I don't know. I always want to do these just kind of nostalgic meals that we've always known that our grandmothers made, but like, what's the thing that makes it not so processed and not so whatever. Like, honestly, my first book had a lot of can of cream chicken and some processed cheese. And, you know, people wrote about that. I mean, you know, people, and I get it. And then second cookbook, I was like, Hey, I want to give people the alternative. Like if they want to make their own cream of chicken, it's actually really simple, but when I, when I really break it down, like sometimes if I am working till five 30 and I want to make a really good dish of sour cream enchiladas, and I've got to use some canned cream of chicken, I give myself the permission to do that. I'm not like, Oh, Joe, you're using, you just, I don't do it every day, but you just have to evaluate the time and then like the worth of it all. And for me, getting everyone at the freaking table to sit together is far more valuable than making everything you know, by scratch. But I also, I think the more I do these cookbooks, the more I want to give people that have more time that actually really enjoy that process. Here, I'm going to give you a lot of these ideas. If you want to make the whole thing from scratch, if you want to do your diced chilies, if you want to do your green enchilada sauce and, and you want to do all that from scratch, you got to start at 10, but it's actually, it's actually amazing. And if not, it's okay every now and then to use a canned ingredient, you know, whatever. So I think just giving people the permission to just but, but I get it. You know, I, I honestly am a pretty organic person. Like I get freaked out about anything box, whatever. But then every now and then I, I, I am a split personality when it comes to food because I'm super weird about like what my kids are eating. But then every now and then like I'll go a whole week, like every night at nine, I'll eat ramen, like the 36 cent orange ramen. And then I'll top it off with a Nutty Buddy bar. All right. It's fine. And that's not organic. It isn't. But I had organic lunch and dinner. I just balance. (laughs) Let us live. (laughs) And I'm a little swollen in the morning, but it's okay. When ramen, it's like its primary ingredient is sodium. It's MSG. You know? Like because MSG and sodium is like right up there, one two ingredient. But uh, and when I say ramen, all my friends are like, "Oh, the fancy." I'm like, "Oh, oh don't no. put, don't you dare put an egg on my ramen. Don't put all that." Oh, no. I just want that bag of ramen. Tear yes. that packet and that's shake it. it into my hot water. And that's that's, that's how I'm, that's how that's it's going it. down. Yeah. I really like that choice for you, especially around like 10 30 PM. Oh yeah. My kids yeah. are like, Oh, mom's had a hard week. There she goes yeah. again with the ramen and the nutty buddy bar. Yeah. <laughs> that's I don't like even a care. signal. 
I don't see, so, you know, I don't have a sweet tooth. I don't, I'm not a dessert person. I don't have a dessert chapter in my cookbook. You're not and a dessert so, person. I know. I, I hate to ever say it. That's what Reese said. Reese, like, we can't be friends. I'm like, we've got to try. <laughs> I just like salty and spicy food okay. as my primary. Okay. And so at 10 30, when you're reaching for nutty buddy, yes. I am reaching for ruffles and French onion dip. Okay. You know I mean, oh. I garbage. Yeah. I mean, it's just chemicals. We should just go it. on a girl's weekend and just do yeah. a garbage weekend. Yeah. After we write really our cookbooks. ice cream. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'll put down some ice cream. One time, this is a really important tip I'm about to give you. I was having ice cream with my girlfriend, Kristen, and we had, it's 10, 1030 at night. It was a girl's weekend and we've got little mounds of chocolate ice cream. And right in front of my eyes, she changed my life because she reaches across the table into the little salt thing, picks up a little salt canister and sprinkled salt on her ice cream. And I'm like, wait, just put salt on your ice cream. She's like, please have one bite. And I've never been the same. I've just never been the same. And so I'm doing it tonight. I please Yum. implore you a crunchy salt. Yes. You know, get you a like good textured. Yes. yes. I, so now I can have it all. Okay. I can have a salt, a salt. Yes. On my that ice should be cream. a recipe. So just call it like that's kind of my mashed potato recipe. It's like uh, potatoes, butter, milk. You should do yeah. like salted ice cream. Oh my god, ice that's cream funny. And some salt. You're so right. It's hard to lean into things that make us feel uncomfortable. But can I tell you a secret? When we learn to hold the tension of this is hard and this is worth it with both hands, that's when we truly begin to grow and flourish. And you know what can help you hold that tension just a little bit easier? Talking with a BetterHelp counselor today. BetterHelp matches you with a counselor and you can send them a message anytime and get a timely and thoughtful response back. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions with your counselor whenever it's convenient for your schedule. BetterHelp is committed to getting you the help that you need. So they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. It's so simple and so worth it. I want you to start living a life that is more full and whole and healthy. As my listener, you can get 10% off your first month by visiting my sponsor, BetterHelp, at betterhelp.com slash for the love. Join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash for the love. All right, guys, back to our show. I want to ask you one last thing and then we'll land the plane because you were just kind of talking about your love of organic food and produce. And I share it. I share, except for when I don't same as you, I want to talk about gardening for a little bit because I don't know if everybody knows what an incredible gardener you are and that you love that too. And so you actually do grow some of your food you pick it right out of the ground and then you put it in your mouth. And so can you talk a little bit about how did that start? Because you're already busy and gardening's work. And so what made you decide to like plow up some land and plant some seeds in the ground and give it a try? And what do you love about it? Cause I gardened for like five or six years and I loved it. I shockingly loved yes. it. Yes. Well, I'd, I'd say 10 years ago, I think we, we had bought a house and I, I was trying to do the balance of like staying home and then working from home. And, and I realized like, oh, my kids love being outside. And so I started this small little chip built as a small little garden. But I, what I realized is like, even when they were little, we connected so much in the garden, like as a mother, you know, you're always trying to figure out lessons to, to teach your kids that maybe we'll stick with them 
And it's when you don't have that visual thing, they're not listening and it's like, whatever. But there was something about being in the garden that you could say, see this, like there were so many lessons. And so to me, that was like the sweetest time with my kids. So then when we moved to the farm, I had a small garden and then I realized, oh gosh, this is like a passion built the large garden. But what happens like when I get home, when it's a nice day, I say, I'll look at a kid and I'll say, Duke, come to the garden with me crew. You know, I'll pick a kid and none of them are ever like, Oh, it's just like, even though it's work, it is a way to connect. And when I'm in the garden, even by myself, like the gift the garden gives is yes, obviously like the harvest and the food. And and I'm telling you when I cook from those fresh veggies, it is the most intense, amazing flavor because it, you grew it and it's the purest. Like it's, and I don't even wash them. I just eat them. But there, there's something about the garden that I think I meet God there more than anywhere else. I feel like my kids meet God there, even though they don't even understand what's happening. Like they don't understand that process so much, even when they're younger. That to me, it was just important that we had something for me on days where I'm just completely stressed or I'm like scared for like what's whatever. I know I have to go to the garden. So I'll just go in the garden and I'll just start picking weeds. I'll start pulling. And there's something about it that changes me every time. So to me, it's, it's a far greater gift about like what it gives us more than just the food. I really feel like that's God's way of like speaking to us and how he meets us there. So it's important. Oh, I love it so much. That's exactly how I felt too. And every year it never failed to just shock me that it grows you know, how I just can't believe it. And so when you say I'm an amazing, I'm really not. The things are just growing. Like I'm like, this is oh, how the I earth wants to do water it. But, and, and I talk to them. I'm always like, hello ladies. Like I am a weirdo. I do talk to, I do talk to my plants, but oh, I love it. Okay. We're going to wrap it up here. I'm going to ask you three, like, these are questions that I've asked everybody in the food series, all the, like all the most fun food people in the food series ever. Okay. Here's the first one. If you had to, you have to answer it. You're, I'm forcing you to answer it. Oh, if you could only eat, you know, one dish for the rest of your life, what, what would you pick? Fried chicken mm. with a side of jalapenos. Fresh jalapenos? Yes. But I also think ramen. <laughs> <laughs> and not the fancy kind, you guys. Get out of here with that. You give me that fancy kind on this. I love fried chicken. I do too, but I've never thought about eating it with a bite of raw jalapeno, which I love. I buy one dozen jalapenos every week and just, I eat them with, I don't know, eggs, everything, but I have fried chicken. Yeah. I love fried chicken. So okay. fried chicken. That's good. I don't hate that answer. Wait, what's yours? It's it was so hard to say. Like, it's so mean of me to ask you these questions when I'm like, what would I say? I think, I think that I would say pizza. Okay. I think that's what I would say. I don't. I've never been tired of pizza. Not one time in my life. Okay. And See, so with like pizza, I can only eat like two pieces. And so that makes me mad with chicken. I can have a whole bucket of chicken and sit there and be like, okay, Duke, let's go to the garden. Like I feel great. <laughs> okay. Next question. You have a real special capacity for fried chicken. Now we know this about you. Okay. When you're, you've had a day, you have a lot of people to feed, but you're over it. You do not want to cook. You just cannot, you cannot chop another, but we're not putting takeout or restaurants in the rotation. So you're at home, people have to eat, but you don't want to, you're over it. What's your go-to thing? Egg sandwiches. Fried egg sandwich. Yep. Fried egg sandwich. That's half the kids want cheese on it. The other half don't. And it's just, you get a fried egg sandwich and don't say a word, just say thank you. 
Oh, that's they actually love fried egg sandwiches. So do I. And it's one of those things where you're like, that was so easy, but so savory and yummy. That or, or, you know, I always have a jar if I don't want to make my own tomato basil soup. I'll always have like a jar of like La Madeleine to make. And then I'll whip up just grilled cheese. And they, and so that's another easy, like just grilled cheese and a little bit of tomato basil. I've done that so many times. I can't even, I wish I had a nickel. Yes. Easy. Okay. Last one. Everybody gets this question, all the series, and you can answer it in a, which way you want okay. in a dumb way, in a smart way, in a silly way, in a real okay. way. I don't care. What's saving your life right now? Oh, that's so good. What is saving my life right now? This is going to sound so like, uh, whatever, but it's just true. Like when I think about getting home and like holding crew and like just being with the kids, doing nothing, like that is what's fueling me in this season of life. And it's like, it's, you know, that thing in your gut where when your kids go off, like when your kids are in college, it's just like that, like that thing in your belly that you just miss, that you like long for them. Like I do that every day. Like I long to be with my kids. And so I think even if it's just for 30 minutes where we just get to sit and I get to watch them do their homework, that's what's getting me through all of this. Like that's it, you know? And I think every season things shift and change, but I don't know what it was about last year and even this year, but it's like, I I understand now the gift of time and that it's, it's pretty quick time goes by really fast. And so I want to, my word for the year is savor. And it's not about food. It's about like savoring the moments that are right in front of me and not thinking about what I have to do or what I did wrong or what I didn't do. But like right now, who I'm with, savoring that moment. And that's what makes time feel like it slows down a little bit. So that's my answer. And I'm really not a funny person. So I couldn't have given you a funny answer. I had to said, you are funny. You are fine. Okay. Nutty buddy bars and ramen. Yeah. Yeah. You're funny. That's nice. Try nice. Try cutie. Just love you to pieces. You are a good one. We love you you so much. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for good love to you and your peeps. Okay. Bye Jen. Thank you. Much love. Okay, guys. (laughs) Fantastic. What a girl. What a girl. I hope that you loved that conversation as much as I did. We could have gone on and on and on and on for a million years. We have so much in common and so many things that we share in terms of like value and preference and love and delight. And so anyway, she's fantastic. We are so lucky to have had her today. You guys, thank you for all your incredible feedback on this series, the food series has been just fun. And you know what? We just need some fun. That's okay. It is okay to have a fun thing for a while. It's okay to have a fun series that is entertaining and lively and light. And this is exactly what this has been for me. And I love every single second of the food series. I've just enjoyed recording it so much. So thank you for your fun feedback too. And for subscribing to the show. And also we love your reviews and ratings. So thank you for doing that for us. That helps the show. And we read every single word, see what you want. What are you interested in? What would you like to hear about? Who would you like to hear from? We pay attention you guys. Um, Thanks for sharing our episodes too with your people. Okay. More to come, you guys. More to come. I will see you next week. Have a great one.